I'd love to know what's the like breakdown in terms of the time you spend on your artistry, the time you spend working or taking gigs as a session musician, the time you spend as a producer. What's like the primary thing you spend most of your time on? Admin. <laughs> Admin, right, writing back emails. No, that's a joke. That's a joke. <laughs> that's, I'm not messing. Um, I, it all happened very organically. Look, when I came out of college, I always wanted to be a producer, but I probably wasn't good enough. I didn't know YouTube wasn't as good back then, and I was all kind of very self-taught. Okay. So... Um, I kind of fell into being a session musician when I came out of college. I mm. just out one day the phone rang and then the next thing I knew I was MD for a group called the Celtic Tenors. So I was like their piano player and obviously I had a classical music background uh-huh. and that was great. We toured uh-huh. everywhere like Germany, France, America, UK, wherever you name it, Australia. Um, but I was always teaching myself to produce. And then around about 2016, 2017, um, I, I felt like I was kind of getting ready. But I couldn't get work. Nobody knew who I was as a producer. And that's where I came up with the idea for 1000 Beasts. I was writing songs with different publishers and I had access to some brilliant top liners. And I was like, why don't I just put out a song with all these different singers that I'm working with? And that's where it came from, really. And then it kind of grew legs very quickly um, because it was never really my intention. Well, it was, but I didn't really know what I was doing. And some of the songs kicked off very well. The first kind of big one I had was with Janet Grogan. It was called Lord. Um, Uh But then I realized after about a year it was like it, th- there was no identity to the project because it was all just kind of the identity of the singers I was working with so I couldn't really play live and I kind of I signed a management deal and I got a label and I decided okay I'm going to focus on making a thousand beasts of genre and the genre then was kind of like soultronic and we we were with a French label called Unity we dropped an EP and then the pandemic happened so then it was a home for ages and then I just kept going and it, during that time I was always session musicianing to kind of feed myself and as more and more 1000 Beast music came out more and more people wanted me to work with them as a producer and I was very lucky because by the time the pandemic came around I had almost completely stopped session musicianing and I was able to go full-time in the studio and that was perfect because all the artists that I work with started downloading little splice loops and writing demos and then they needed a producer to deal with them online and it's just been manic ever since then really. I know oh my god so much to unpack roll back to <laughs> and then there were just these p- publishers and i had some stuff going on with them okay how did you get these publishing deals that's a great question um i never have been locked into a full publishing deal i've only ever done single song assignments i've never had the right offer mm-hmm. i think um mm-hmm. so i've always managed it myself there was one in dublin it was all just you meet someone who meets someone else who gets you in to do something for someone else um, it is genuinely about your network mm-hmm. like just be sound and try and do as many things as you can with people and that'll mm-hmm. open doors for other doors um, yeah that's my advice I and again I wanted to be a producer I didn't necessarily want to be a songwriter songwriter mm-hmm. so publishing was never really my interest but because I'm a producer I kind of fell into that yeah. um, the London scene is interesting obviously I know because like there's a lot of work there as a producer but there's a weird thing where kind of as a producer you're expected to do like five sessions a week and you mightn't get paid unless the track is released and Mm. it's an unusual dynamic there so like I've come in and out to do sessions there but I'm very happy in Ireland to be honest and yeah I have my my kind of clients my people that I work for regularly and yeah you have your client base and you're more like a freelance producer and you're just direct to client kind of production exactly yeah yeah Yeah. that's cool and so the next thing you mentioned was and i had access to all these amazing top liners who who were they 
Um, I that's a great question. Oh, where do I start? I'm gonna forget so many names now. <laughs> no, I'm you don't have to tell me all the names. But like, why did you have access to all these amazing top liners? Uh, it was there was a publisher in Dublin uh, called the Nucleus that was just setting up, and they kind of roped in some of the first people I worked with. Was like Ryan O'Shaughnessy, who was brilliant. He was a soul artist. Right, he was kind of pop singer. He was signed initially. I think he won the Voice or something. Yeah. And then he kind of started doing soulful stuff. There was a girl called Janet Rogan who I think made it to like this. The, some semi-finals or judges houses or something of the x factor she was brilliant as well and there was just he was kind of amassing these kind of singers and there was no producer uh so i was kind of just so it was through this publisher that you were being introduced to these singers and they were yeah, he was like, and like we need Ireland, you to help yeah. them yeah exactly and ireland's very small like there's a lot more producers now i feel like there's a much bigger producer community but Back then in like 2016, there was a lot of musicians, but there wasn't many people that were willing to kind of experiment with the production side of things. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Which is totally ramped up now since COVID, right? Yeah, 100%. So like if you're producing for a few singers in 2016, 2017, people find out about you very quickly. Yes. Um, in Ireland anyway. Yeah, I mean, you're still like people are scratching their heads and they're like, oh, who's the producer? I don't know, Keen Sweeney? And like, and they like have no other names. <laughs> so uh, you're, still, you're still coming out on the top of the SEO of the word of mouth. <laughs> if word of Thank mouth God had an SEO that. in Ireland for producers, you're, you're on it on the top result. I hope so. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> so, okay. Now, okay, let me, I want to go to the artist stuff, but let me start while we're on production. I have a load of singers that I'm working with who want to release original music. One of the major pain points. Now we are getting them to, uh, like I am encouraging all of them to become good at demoing your idea. Like don't just mm -hmm. rely on articulating your idea to somebody, like try to put the bones of it together in logic, right? So they're they're on board with that but they don't want to take it all the way home to sound design mastering mixing and mastering so that's fine and then I'm like aspire to be able to produce yourself produce your vocal um, and then get somebody to collaborate potentially with the rest of it what they okay so they're like okay but how do I f okay let's answer this question or, or help me figure this out like how are they going to find um, a producer that fits their style and if they if they have figured out their whole artist identity their whole thing and their songwriting is solid and they've basic demo skills how are they going to find somebody great to work with yeah that's a great question you've the right approach and that's what i always tell singers when they come to me um if they're early on or even if in their kind of mid-career they're somewhat a small but established um because of the accessibility of kind of loops and the AWs and whatever now, it's very easy for people to get their ideas down. Mm -hmm. And I think the role of a producer now is to help artists facilitate their ideas and make them much better. Like when I was producing pre-pandemic, it was a nightmare because someone would come to you and they'd say, I want to sound like Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez and I want to sound a little bit like Ed Sheeran or whatever. But like, what does that mean? You know, there's, there's no, like they sound like themselves. So the artist needs to sound like they need to have their own unique sound. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously it's great to use references, but if they can find bits and pieces that they like to use uh, and kind of just do a very rough, like the more terrible the demo, the better, the more raw it is. It doesn't have to be technically perfect. Once the emotion is in there, it's great. Um, that's all we need. Um, but in terms of finding the right producer, I would say 
experiment. Look at who produces your favorite artists. Look at the people that produce the music that you do like. Like if you go into the Spotify credits, obviously you can find them. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at big songs, they're going to be very expensive. Mm-hmm. But certain producers will be more than willing to like work with you, even if you just get in there for a one day session with them. Um, just do one day, see what happens. You, it's all about that relationship. Because mm-hmm. um, a good few of my artists. And I might work with them on one song and then I end up working with them for a year or two years and I've helped them the whole way through. Because once you do find that relationship, they're probably kind of like the silent partner in the the music production process. So um, it's a bit like Elton John and Bernie Taupin, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, love that. Okay, so I, I lo- I, and that's what I've uh, recommended generally as well is go into the credits, like find mid-level, low-level, mid-level artists, go into the credits, start following them on Instagram, have a little scope and then potentially reach out or connect um so what should they be expecting in terms of like paying hiring somebody some you know like what I'm, I'm sure there's a range of somebody wanting to just work with you creatively but generally there's thousands of hours gone into this particular skill set um if a singer is showing up wanting their own original music to be produced um what are the, what should they be thinking about budget wise? I mean, in general, like the market. Yeah, it depends. I mean, if you're, I suppose at the indie level, you're kind of looking at. It depends on your producer how far along your idea is, like what genre of music it is. Like, there's so many things. Do we need to get session musicians? Is this something that can be done in the box, whatever? Mm-hmm. But like, it could be anywhere from like one thousand to two thousand for like a fully finished track if mm-hmm. you're kind of starting off. Um, but like, it depends on the producer. Some producers will charge less in exchange for royalty points on the master for instance mm-hmm. some might not be interested in that and just charge a little bit more and then the more of a name the producer has so on and so forth like the producer obviously is responsible for having a lot of equipment and there's been a lot of training like it's kind of like contracting a plumber or an electrician in a way like mm-hmm. the producer is just like a tradesperson that's there to help you craft your stuff you know um so again it depends like y- you get what you pay for it, to be honest so like if you're trying to get a track done for like four or five hundred p- quid, you're probably not going to get the best quality. Um, but then again, the, the biggest challenge for musicians early on is to just manage their resources, I think. So like ha- releasing three or four songs over the course of like 18 months or whatever and not burning yourself out financially. That's the key. Just make sure that the songs are right and that your your brand and your genre is is very clear and you're very defined in the identity that you want to go mm. um that would be my suggestion anyway yeah and are there many scenarios in which there's a partnering up like the producer wants to write with the singer and mm-hmm. there isn't this like being hired for service s- set up yeah again completely depends on the producer like i work with people as well where i might just do writing sessions with them um but as a producer, you might do the writing session with them. It, again, it just depends. It really does. Like if, if I'm writing a song with someone that's starting off, realistically, the publishing on that song isn't going to be worth a lot. So you would need to be getting a fee up front um, or a free fee, at least when the track is released. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're working with someone that's much more established, then you know that the track is probably going to get played a lot more so you'd be much more inclined to do it for less money up front and more mm-hmm. for a publishing or whatever so mm-hmm. it's just so vague in case by case Sorry. i know of course no, <laughs> no but i love getting the lay of the land and like you know some of this we've already been discussing and it's really good to hear it from your perspective and from your experience and i think and i do think that there out, out there exist hobby 
like hobbyists producers who are hobbyists who just love it and enjoy it and would like to collaborate um so i think that there are those scenarios as well which probably boils down to being in a music network or connecting or do you have any like advice about them plugging in because a lot of the singers i think feel like they're in isolation um and feel like they're not like i didn't go to conservatoire so therefore i don't have a music network yeah how do we help them yeah, that's a great question. I think even before COVID, that was so much easier as opposed to now everybody's online. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to find your, your people 100%. I mean, depending on what city you're in, I mean, if you're in a big city like London, you need to focus more on your general area, I would believe, rather than trying to conquer all of London. I lived mm-hmm. in London for a year or two and it's a very big city. So like if you're living in Northwest, focus with the musicians in Northwest. If you're living in Southeast, try and network with the musicians in Southeast. Mm-hmm. I, it won't take you that long. Like, don't try and meet everybody. Just do everything you can to do like I still have a little reminder in my um, calendar every Monday morning at 10 o'clock that is to try and reach out to new people um, mm-hmm. so like if t- just like take a bit of time and see is there anybody that's doing anything cool and just grab up like meet them for a coffee or whatever it's something you really have to actively manage um, and I've met some like great friends just through this um, completely excluding work so sometimes it can be as simple as an Instagram DM. Like so many yeah. people I've met through Instagram DMs. Um, just you see what they're doing. You're like, hey, I love what you're doing. Um, I'd love to chat with you. Like if you're a singer that's just coming out, it might be a great idea if there's a singer that's maybe released music for the past 18 months. They've got a couple of thousand streams or whatever. You like what they're doing. A couple of thousand followers. They're playing some gigs. I'm sure they would be more than willing to talk to you uh well most of them would nine out nine times out of ten they sh- would i would imagine like most people are generally very helpful um it, there's a real bad uh some people kind of have this perception that the music industry is horrible or whatever but I, I, everybody i've spoken to is really nice i've been working in it now for 10 years at least and i've had very few negative experiences so um okay. just take the risk and be honest and put yourself out there and if you're vulnerable i think people acknowledge that and they respond positively to it so yeah that's such like that's such a good life hack i think what you're saying in terms of actually scheduling this every week and making it a regular habit is huge um the ask for help i mean that's that's the best way for a girl to get a guy like to pick up a guy <laughs> you all you you pretend you don't know something and you ask them to help you and they can mansplain away is and it? then they mansplain and then <laughs> next thing you know you got a date so <laughs> so that's another extra bonus life hack but that's fantastic and i do think that and people are really receptive and open to making like everybody wants more connections Hmm. so Hmm. uh, it definitely worth making that first move and taking that risk and like what's the worst that can happen but like you're saying like making it a part of your week every week i think that's massive yeah i have it scheduled i'm not very good at doing it but i do have it scheduled to remind myself like try and meet some new people this week or try and follow up with old people or something yeah oh my god and you just never know what could come Mm. out of it okay love love that um talk to me about how can a singer like how can how can i make sure a singer who walks into the room and works with you is just you're like oh my god thank you Gemma. you just hooked me up there she's so easy to work with she's exactly this is a dream how do i turn an artist into a dream to work with that That feels like a very lofty uh, (laughs) demand is a good question (laughs) i think being very aware of what direction you want to go Mm -hmm. is so important Mm -hmm. um because there's so many different it's very easy to kind of hop on trends and 
and the artists that sustain or that that go along are the people that know what they want to do and have figured that out so like i wouldn't even come near a producer if you haven't figured out that yet and that might be a case of making 20 demos on your own like the best people write hundreds and hundreds of songs before they ever release their big songs like there's no such thing as this overnight success so you've got to really keep tipping away for a few years keep writing your craft experiment with loads of different things and you will find your sound eventually it won't be perfect it'll be messy but the the best people that i work with are the people that come into the studio and they kind of know exactly what direction they want to go down Mm -hmm. and they kind of are confident in their style and they're not second guessing or kind of hopping on trends or going oh someone released this kylie released this track over the summer so we need to sound like kylie or whatever Mm. um because unless you're assigned to a major label you're just competing with the major labels and you're not going to win so you have to be yourself if you're at the indie level that'd be my advice that's amazing i know i think a lot of them get into like up level things prematurely and and there should be that honing the craft and i always say like because so many people obviously are drawn to me for vocal technique and i'm like that's actually not the pillar like the if you're wanting to be an artist your writing is the absolute pillar it's the thing that's the most important thing every day that you do and and that you're right it's the it's a volume it's a numbers game yeah like you had ryan mack on uh recently and i've been working with ryan for years and ryan was hustling Mm-hmm. so hard like writing so many he was doing so many sessions he was writing loads and loads of music it took him years but i always knew like we always knew i always said it to ryan i was like i know you're gonna do it like you it's just gonna fit you just have to figure out how you're gonna do it but he just persevered he didn't lose patience he kept writing songs kept making music sometimes he put stuff out sometimes he didn't put stuff out but he just kept working on his craft and his break came and like that's what i would say it's like sustain yourself so ryan i know his <laughs> i know the song that made him famous was broke but like he was able to sustain himself by doing cover gigs on the side and telling mm-hmm. nobody about it and you know, doing anything he could to keep the money going and just not burning out financially and then it will click eventually that's what i would say if you've got the talent but once you're hard working enough yeah it will yeah i know what about from your experience now and perspective as an artist, I was looking at your link tree and you've lots of things going on, like getting on a newsletter. Obviously, you're across all of the social medias. How do you find balancing, you know, your artistry and, and how does that all play into your week to week? Very difficult. Um, I know. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I'm not very good at it. Um, I've gotten so much better, but I'm still not very good at it. I actually uh, hired a I suppose you call our personal assistant yeah. um starting this year for a couple hours a month um and basically what i do is just give her all my social media content and say please schedule this and upload it for me and manage it and put it across all the platforms because uh, i find looking at the apps during the day just a disaster and like, you yeah. see what happens to me is i could be in a session on a monday i could be in a session on a tuesday and a session on a wednesday so i'm not going to be able to look at my phone during the day um yeah so you know, i just can't do it i cannot do it and the last thing i want to do when i finish the session at five six seven o'clock is sit and do an hour of social media um so it pays for it to have someone do it because it's obviously the way to establish your business but um and then i pre-film all the content so for the produced by keen stuff i started doing kind of music production tips and i suppose i just film those every six weeks or whatever and then give all that content to um to my virtual assistant and she takes care of that then basically um That's yeah awesome. and what's been the thing because you know i 
when I'm working with the artists, so uh, lots of them have an av a, a, a intense aversion to TikTok, which I accept. Um, and that's fine. I don't. I'm all up for it. I have no You're shame. At it as well, I have no shame. Yeah. That's what it is. And I'm just cute, Carrie whore jumping on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I, I'm fine with that. And I'm like, can we figure, because there's no point going against somebody's green if they just don't want to make that kind of content. I'm like, fine. It is the thing that's going to work the best, but like, yeah. okay. Anything that you have, experimented with that's you know been a lot of a good return on your investment of time in terms of marketing i think the key to social media and this is coming from someone that's not very good at it i think but having seen artists i've worked with who are very good at it mm -hmm. is being very authentic with it mm -hmm. to be honest i mm -hmm. think if you force anything um it won't work now that doesn't mean that that's an excuse to not work hard at it um you do need to work hard at it but um i think you just need to be honest with yourself um i'll go back to ryan mack and robert grace who both mm -hmm. utilized tiktok hugely mm -hmm. when i was working with them during the pandemic like it made their careers like if it wasn't for tiktok and there was a stage when both of those were working on on reels daily um over more so than songs um but then i work with other artists um such as like folk artists and producing a folk artist at the moment is brilliant and you deal with that circle and it's not like, like TikTok is just not a thing. Their audience isn't really there. It's not what they focus on because it's not authentic to what they do. Yeah. Um, so they, they rely on word of mouth and traditional media still because probably the, the folk indie folk scene in Ireland relies on that still. So yeah, yeah that's how that works. You've got to know your scene. Yeah. And you've got to be authentic. So I just wouldn't force it. Like if you, if you want to be a pop singer and your target market is 16 year old girls or whatever, then, go for it yeah Kill it. tiktok is where you want to be but if you're making kind of alternative folk songs that's probably not where you want to be mm -hmm. like if you're making electronic music you kind of need to see where the electronic artists are living in that world or yeah. but there's a niche for everything like so there's, there's a, niche a niche for everything for in TikTok. Everything. Yeah. and now some niches are bigger than others as well and i think measuring your success against what could happen if you're in the pop niche and you utilize tiktok yeah the numbers that walk like the exponential growth versus being a, an indie folk artist like you've got to be reasonable about the size of the niche and this and the like the level of growth that's going to be available oh, and the, the thing that's never spoken about is, is is the decentralization of art so like in the 2000s it, there was only a handful of of mainstream media or whatever you want to call them but like you you get on the 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 i don't know the late late show or the graham norton mm -hmm. show and that's it you're famous but everybody is on has their phones now so there's tiny little corners all over the internet it's been completely decentralized mm -hmm. so you could talk to one person who has like spotify playlists are the best for this because um spotify discovery weekly my spotify discovery is amazing i find loads of artists that i've never heard of yeah. and if i talk to one of my best friends they'll never have heard of me either but if i look at his discovery weekly it's full of other artists that i might never I have heard of and they could be a huge fan of those mm -hmm. so there's all these tiny little corners in the internet like i think we all need to look past the era of like david beckham's thing is on at the moment the, on netflix yeah great right but I, the, I was watching the episode where they won the 99 Champions League and my aunt was with us in the house and she was like god that was great remember that everybody was talking about that and everything and I was like yeah they were but like there was nothing else to watch there was no other content in those days it was just whatever was on TV that night and that's what was on TV so everybody saw it whereas now 
it's completely different. Everybody's got their own little corners. So I think as artists, if you can get over the fact that you're probably not going to be Dua Lipa, like that mm. stuff doesn't really happen anymore. But if you realize that it's easier than ever to carve a little niche for yourself and have a loyal following and actually yeah. make a very successful career out of it yeah. um, and just embrace that rather than trying to fight against that, I think you will go so far. That'd be my ex- advice. Totally agree. I love that advice. And it is so fragmented and there's huge power and leverage in that. If they're very clear on what you were talking about, their direction, their sound, what they want, who they are, and they become clear about the scene that exists around that. I'm like, you should know the kind of venues that like the the mailing list people who who subscribe to the like what kind of venues should you be playing in and all mm. the people that subscribe to these venues like where are they what, like where do your fans exist in the world what what other things do they do like it's Absolutely. worth analyzing and like i'll give you another example like that, that i'm going to go back to that indie folk artist i'm working with at the moment she's doing a tour at the moment and she's playing bookshops and cafes around mm-hmm. ireland because she doesn't need to do the traditional mcd venues in ireland for instance because there's no point that's not the right venue for her those gigs wouldn't be good they wouldn't suit her mm-hmm. whereas if she goes and plays to 40 people in a bookshop because it's just her and an acoustic guitar she will make a profit she'll sell her merch it's perfectly acceptable mm-hmm. and then she'll also build loyal fans mm-hmm. and like so there's so many different ways of doing it that you've got to kind of think differently of it like another one the the star of the show for me of the past five six years coming from ireland and living in london now is orla gartland mm-hmm. like i met orla um years ago and to just watch how she's grown and done her thing since i first met her is incredible because mm-hmm. she understands that you need a label you can have your own little corner of the world you can like build your fans i hate to say like monetize your fans but you can build a real connection with them and you can build a like sustainable career mm-hmm. out of it and it just shocks me that like if you listen to irish radio like i don't know how orla garland isn't a household name in ireland but she's a great example of how to do that how to just be authentically yourself and yeah, yeah. i love this do you think that like what what's your stance on I think there's a huge importance still placed on well you've got to get in the blogs and you've got to get radio play yeah. that's not for everyone right uh, yeah don't start me on it I think it's all a waste of money it's I always I genuinely I'd say two out of three people I work with are like what about the should I do a PR campaign or whatever and I, I don't know anybody that reads blogs anymore like blogs no. were 20, 13, 14 or, and like I, like I, w- the first thing I said 10-15 uh, minutes ago is when you're an artist starting out balancing your resources is the most important mm-hmm. thing Um, I would put that resources if you have a little bit of money I would not put it into a, an old school PR campaign I would focus it on trying to increase your social media presence in some way mm-hmm. you know even if that means you need to hire like a creative director to make your aesthetic better or whatever way better investment yeah. way better love this thanks Ian. <laughs> oh my god thanks for letting me download all your best ideas they might be no, you probably have sa- saved even more genius but i got this <laughs> good stuff there thank <laughs> you so much no you're more than welcome just if you get me going i'll talk about it all day that's love the problem it. what are you what are you excited about what's what's coming up for you <laughs> um 1000 beasts have the biggest show we've ever done which yeah. is going to be in saint luke's on the friday night for the oh jazz god. festival um, oh my god what what when Mm, yeah the cork jazz festival on the 27th of october on the friday night the slightly fr- terrified because oh, i'm in kerry venue, on the friday <laughs> come, come up from kerry don't mind kerry don't mind my mother <laughs> bring her <laughs> <laughs> bring her off because <laughs> i'm there definitely on the 28th 20, 29th but 
oh my god that sounds amazing yeah so very we're doing it we're doing it with uh fizzy orange and uh papa romeo who are two kind of like soulful bands from dublin so they're they're brilliant fizzy orange are fantastic yeah so it's gonna be great so um terrifying but it'll be brilliant and then there's a new album coming out in uh when's it coming out in the new year at some point so i just dropped the a single last month which is flying it like spotify gods have been very helpful it's about a hundred thousand streams already yeah. and we got a lot of support on it um so that's kind of tipping away and then i'm producing so many projects i can't even keep up i've got toucan's project on the go at the moment i'm working with i don't know if anybody's heard of toucan but we've, there's loads of new toucan yes. music on the way and yeah that's just great i i can't um i've so many things i want to do it the problem is trying to squeeze them in um but it's a cool problem to have isn't it yeah it, you sometimes you get a f um that kind of thing oh god if i don't get this done now it's like the the lost opportunity cost i think yeah. they call it or whatever you know and that's kind of crippling me at the moment where sometimes something will come in and it'll be you know you're like oh it's great to get a couple of euros for this or whatever but then you're like oh i wonder the fact that i took this now it's taking away the time that i know what is this a uh, what what like this is a yes but it's a no to something else yes and that's the thing i think when you're freelance that's a real challenge to figure out that's the thing i'm really struggling with for like let's say the past five or six months because you don't want to say no to everything yeah um but yeah yeah Class. Well, I'll link all of that in the description of this video and podcast. Thank you so much. Um, appreciate you so much. And I'm going to try my best to see, I mean, if, if I can get a ticket and um, get to see you in Cork. 